collector. How's it going? Right on Wednesday at five. Seeming to make a habit of this. And uh kind of feel like I'm leading off for uh EB and the thrill on the no filter network stuff. So watch if you watch, don't if you don't. Yeah, last week I had mentioned uh my grandma was sick. Well, she succumbed uh at almost 95 years old to this life. And uh yeah, family's pretty sad about it. Um my whole life I've I've known the woman and uh we're gonna miss her a lot. And uh I'm just gonna remember a couple things right now while I'm on camera about my grandmother, Eleanor. And uh we called we called her Shamma. And that was uh, the name that I had come up with as a little boy when I first started talking. And that was the name that stuck. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids, her only four grandkids. Um, she has two sons. Uh, and you know, the other son didn't have any kids, my Uncle Glenn. But yeah, my, my grandfather died god almost maybe 30 years ago and uh let's just say for the last 30 years she's just obviously never got over the love of her life and um you know has made it pretty clear that she's always wanted to be back with him so shema rest in peace you're back with poppy now and uh it's what she wanted almost 95 years old like i said and uh born in 1927 i mean can you can you imagine that's half of how old that or that's double what i am now she was my age when i was when i was born and wow can you imagine 94 years i can't but i couldn't imagine 47 either so Let's fucking do this shit. Uh, but yeah, my grandma from Argentina, that's that's where my family's from. As a matter of fact, my dad's side. And I may have a cousin that was born here in America, but I'm not quite sure. But we'll just say the first from my grandma's side to be born, born in America. And, you know, her being an American... She came in here, what, like 1956 or 1957. And they landed in Florida and then ended up in the Los Angeles area. And uh, she took to the Dodgers. Let's just say that. Um, the Dodgers were her team. And being a fellow Italian, Tommy Lasorda just happened to be her, her favorite player. And uh, those are some of the best memories I have growing up and as an adult was uh was baseball with my grandmother she worked for bank of america for a long time and uh bank of america every year back in those days they had a dodger night and so the whole family like my mom dad me whatever of my siblings were born my poppy my uncle glenn and we'd all head out to Dodger Stadium and sit in the nosebleeds and take in a game. And uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I feel like every game we went to was either the Dodgers against the Reds or the Dodgers against the Phillies. And so every year I saw Pete Rose growing up from one team to the other. And those were the days <laughs> Those were the days, man. Early 80s. Good old Dodger teams. Funny. She had a thick accent too, man. <laughs> she called him Tony. <laughs> Tony Lasorda. All these fucking years, man. She couldn't even get his name straight. But, uh, yeah, that's my grandma, man. And going to miss her a lot. And she wasn't like, I don't know, 
I don't know what a traditional grandmother is. I only have one. My mom's mom had passed before I was even born. <clears throat> so I only had her. And she was, like I said, involved in, in my entire life up until this past Saturday. She's seen my whole shit life. She's seen the good stuff. And <laughs> so after my divorce in uh, 2004, and then the subsequent bullshit custody battles and the child support crap and the back and forth to court, she didn't like seeing that. I mean, I'm, I'm her grandson. I'm, I mean, she had maybe my other siblings will never see this. But she used to tell me I was her favorite. And if she told it to the other kids and she was a fucking liar, well, I don't think she was a liar. I think she meant it. <coughs> I think she meant it in a certain kind of a way. I was the first, I was the first kid in America, her first grandkid. We had a special bond. Uh, every family event we would end up, you know, alone off to the side of the room. And she would just, it would be, she would say, Belito, come and tell your grandma everything. And I would. What was going on? What was good? What was bad? What was in the works? And I'm not like the most social person. So even like talking to this damn camera, that ain't really me. You know, I didn't, I never saw a therapist growing up. I just don't do that. I keep it right here. So this is kind of therapy, you know. And then I look back and I can say I did tell somebody something. But she didn't like seeing me and all that bullshit that I got myself into. Um, and this is one of the last things she said, but one of the most striking things she ever she ever said to me. And uh, like I said, I was divorced and I was seeing somebody else. You know, moving on. And once again, she took me, took me aside, talking to her. And then she says this to me. She goes, Belito, you need to wrap it up so you don't get this good a break in it. <laughs> so you don't have to go through the same bullshit you did. So that's the kind of grandma I had. She was looking out for me, man. She was telling me to put a rubber on, too. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to miss that lady like crazy. And uh, here's what happened. I mean, she lived in her own home till she was about 92. And then this is too much, you know. And that was at the end of 2019 that my parents had to move her out of her place into a home near their home. Then COVID happened. And uh, even my parents, who were like five blocks away, there were long stretches where you couldn't even visit. So the last couple of years have been pretty tough uh, for numerous reasons in regards to her. And, um, you know, like I said, she just had enough of this fucking planet anyways. And she back with my grandpa, so... Love you, Shema. Until we meet again. All right. So uh, <laughs> I thought about that the whole time um, leading up to the show because uh, I didn't want to get I didn't want to get too emotional. So I had uh, had these set up 
case somebody started cutting the onions in this room and I need to put my goggles on. So that didn't happen. Kept that shit together. Right on. So there's that. Uh, I opened up my mail last week on the show and you may have noticed uh, most of this stuff was not Will Clark items. And that's because I'm just trying to like expand on a couple other collections I, I, I have. And uh, I may have mentioned to it before, but I'll, I, I collect Chipper Jones, Mike Piazza, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, Matt Williams, Cody Bellinger. I'm expanding on my Fred Lynn collection uh and pistol pete maravich and that's kind of like what i'm going to talk about just for a minute today uh but i'm going to talk about that after i show you this so my friend tad uh, what this is a great dude man um his name's tad richardson and once again you know <laughs> i have Five. I have a group. This many friends. Five. And those are my friends from life. My physical friends. Okay. Now via social media and the collecting community and people that purchase art from me. Those also we get brought into the friend department. And so me and this guy, Tad, go back a, a few years now via social media. And I believe it's Instagram. Tad makes art one, card art. And then he was uh, taking major league license. Is that what it was? I, major league used baseballs. And registered baseballs so they were in a game and then he dissects these uh these baseballs skins them takes them apart punches holes in in the leather and uses the string and uses the the, the winding on the inside and he makes uh you want to call it jewelry we'll just call it jewelry because i don't know what the hell else to call it necklaces i have one as a matter of fact made from a ball that cody bellinger had hit in the game and uh so that's pretty cool and then he also had sent me a bag of you know these baseball remnants that i've used in my my art so i've got some art out there that has a ball from clayton's uh clayton kershaw's 95th win and like i said that baseball that cody bellinger hit so tad's a cool guy and then on top of it Tad is a major league, Negro League baseball advocate uh, in his own way. And so for me, I advocate through my art. Tad advocates through his time. Tad advocates awareness of... Uh, uh, Foundations. Let's just put it that way. He's worked with the Josh Gibson Foundation through Josh Gibson's family. And currently he's trying to uh, help the, the Buck Leonard family. It's, it's preserving the legacy. Uh, so Tad's been in Rocky Mount, North Carolina now for a bit of time. And he's working with the family on marketing, funding, getting the name out there. And uh, I'll just grab it right here. <clears throat> so Tad and I, we were able to sell a bunch of these coloring books to the Buck Leonard Association. And so this isn't the actual book, uh, the, the one that I had made or amended, let's say, for them. This is my original design. And what we had done was take uh, Buck Leonard's images and set them in here. And then the Buck Leonard Foundation logo 
on the cover and changed up the back, added the sponsor names and, and whatnot, and we got some coloring books that they're going to distribute to the kids out in North Carolina. And Tad uh, sent me this shirt. Dude, that's dope. Here, we'll just, there, there it goes. Buck Leonard, been in the Hall of Fame for 50 years now. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, that's a big anniversary for a player that is more than worthy of being in the Hall. And we'll, we'll talk about Buck Leonard another day. But just know that Buck Leonard, if you don't know, was a teammate of Josh Gibson's. They hit three and four in the lineup. He played first base, I may have mentioned. And those two guys combined to just terrorize pitching in the Negro Leagues. So Buck Leonard, go online and check it out. And one day on this show, or look, another show, I'm thinking of doing other things on the platform. So uh, just be on the lookout. The Bill Collector this Wednesday night thing is more about my things, uh, things that I got coming in. Other players that I'm collecting and stuff like that, you know, for an hour. And uh, I'm setting up interviews to do, and that will probably be a different entity altogether. But just just be on the lookout. You'll see it if it happens. All right. So I had mentioned uh, I can go off um, really easily on a whole different subject than what I was talking about. But I did want to get that shirt in because um, that's some bitching stuff. All right, back to Pistol Pete. You know, Pistol Pete Maravich may have been uh, more of a before my actual time. And when I say before my time, I just mean, you know, within my my memories periphery you know what i'm saying so he was more of a star in the, the early to mid he was a star throughout the 70s but his heyday before injuries took their toll was like 1971 to about 76 or 77 and then he played 10 years in the nba but pistol pete maravich uh he's an interesting story in regards to basketball because uh you know you talk to players that were the stars after him like magic and bird and uh we'll just say magic and bird who were you know some of the best players you were ever gonna see pistol pete was the guy that they were watching when they were coming up and so when i say coming up it's like Pistol Pete had become a pro before these guys had even gotten into college. And Pistol Pete is considered, I mean, maybe still to this day, the best college basketball player that ever played the game in regards to uh, scoring and ball handling and, and all that type of stuff. Many say he was ahead of his time. And some of those skills that he was, you know, showing back in the day would have really translated into this you know type of basketball that's being played but yeah he's born in pennsylvania in a steel town uh and his old man oh god he had some weird freaking out my man say it dude was a major basketball player growing up and i believe he was even a professional basketball player in his time and all he ever wanted for pete was to be a pro and, and and okay we're talking like crazy stuff like if you don't remember who todd marinovich was who the he was a raider quarterback he was a usc more than standout but his his old man pounded basketball into this 
kid's head. From the time he could hold a basketball, he was holding one. And this guy made the kid practice like every single day. And by the time he was up, God, he was in, in middle school and he was already playing on a high school team. That's how good he was. Ronnie is as he was, but the kid had mad handles. He had mad shooting skills. And what they're saying is like, this was before the three-point line. After looking at his, at his charted shots, they are saying that he would have probably averaged another 10 points a game had he been in, in the league when the three-point line was in effect. And as a matter of fact, his very final season, like far past his prime, he went 10-15 from the official three-point line. That's pretty well. Excuse me. But Pete was a showman, and uh, it almost didn't go over well with a lot of his teammates because in college, his dad, who, who happened to be his coach, let the kid do his thing. And uh, th that was a rack up, tons of points, look real flashy. And that was about it, though. Um, it just so happened that Pete's teams, I don't even think he played on a team in his NBA career that had a winning record. And uh, that's kind of like people want to blame that on, on, on him a little bit. And it may have something to do with them, you know, trying to get your team more involved and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's pretty wild. I mean, Pete, Pete Maravich. He signed the largest contract in NBA history at the time, which was worth, I think, really just under $2 million, $2 million for, how was it, four, four years? It's like almost, yeah, it was four hundred and fifty grand a year for four years. And at the time, the league average in the NBA was sixty grand a year. So you can imagine uh, a lot of players, even players on his own team, we're not, we're not hip to that. Uh, this kid who never played a game coming in, making a grip. He was a superstar before he ever touched the NBA court. I mean, like, <laughs> I've been watching video lately of Pistol Pete. And he signed a, a commercial with a shampoo company before playing in the NBA. Like, like he signed his contract. Now he's doing commercials. I mean, like kids do today and uh that was due to he had a carefully crafted image let's just let's just say that floppy hair floppy socks uh uh just something different by any any standard so uh yeah let me let me show you a couple pieces of pistol pete that i got right here and um look the 70s to me the, the basketball, even the hockey cards were so freaking dope. So we'll just show you one by one. Dude, this is so dope. Look at the colors. I want to make some baseball cards in this in this form right here. I mean, that is so sick. This is Pete's uh, second year card. And, uh, I mean, look, he scored 23.2 points his rookie season. And he kind of a little sophomore slump to 19. 18.3 points, but Pete was a star, bona fide. And uh, if if you watch if you watch the videos from from the 70s, you'll really see how spectacular of a player Pistol Pete was. All right, put that one away. All right, now I have a wish list, and one of them is Pistol Pete's rookie rookie card from 1970 so here's my placeholder that i made so this right here uh we'll go about there that's basically what this that's the size of the pistol pete rookie card that is the that's what it looks like i mean except it says pete maravich atlanta so this is my placeholder 
I got it in a big fat slab as if it's the card. I, look, terrible copies of this card, 200 bucks. So uh, I'm trying not to have a terrible copy of this card. Pistol Pete Maravich rookie card from uh, Atlanta. Like I said, that's not the card itself. That's my rendition of it until I get the real thing. Yo, Jeremy, what's happening, dude? I got to get you on here soon, bro. Uh, we got to do something together. All right. So this was another great card. I believe this is a second year. Oh, no, no, no. This is. Okay, yeah, this was after his rookie season. I drew this one as uh, as a placeholder as well. And uh, look at Dick, man. The, the, the design is awesome. The font is awesome. The, 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 the one-color background is awesome. The one I drew. And I was able to locate a not-great copy, but a great copy nonetheless. Just to have the card to me is... Uh, I'm not gonna say a fucking honor. Come on, let's not talk about honor. But it, I do, I I do like that. I I I actually own the card, conditioner, condition good or not. But look at how sweet that is. So, Pistol Pete Maravich. That's uh, some of the stuff I got in slabs, and uh, I did put together an album of the cards I do have, and. Uh, yeah, there's the cards from the 70s are great. I guess I'll just pull this page out. I'll pull these first two pages out. Because these are vintage cards right here. I'm telling you, man, uh, I'm responding to my, my buddy Jeremy in the chat box. And he just mentioned that uh, it's no coincidence that the card makers are reusing these styles today. And... Uh, <laughs> Jeremy actually, he said this phrase to me when we were talking about exactly this one time. He had said that today we live in a, a, a creatively bankrupt time. And he couldn't have said it better. You look at the films today, everything's just a remake of what was done before. Nope real creative new ideas so but yeah you're definitely right about that jeremy all right so here goes a sweet page of old pistol p cards and uh i mean i found these for a great price these uh graded all these cards are worth money if you're into that thing but um i just like having the copy so there's that this one was this one was so awesome Okay. This is Pistol Pete's, uh, I believe, his last year in the league. Was that 1980? Yeah, 1980. And he was far past his prime. Injuries have just killed his, uh, killed his knees. And this is an actual uh, perforated card. So this is three individual cards if you wanted to break them off. But I'm not trying to break them off. This was the same year that uh, Magic and Bird's rookie season was. So the Magic and Bird, they happen to be on the same card. And I, I forget who. I think it's Dr. J. Dr. J is a third person on, on that. And that card's worth bank graded. So, uh, yeah, man. But it seems like uh, once you get into the 80s, card values aren't really there you know and you're absolutely right dude uh grading is the devil and uh, uh lo and behold that type of shit's getting found out it's all scummy man like so many people are sending cards in and they're they're receiving different cards on the way back man i mean are you freaking kidding me like as if I would have taken and graded that card myself before I even sent it in to know exactly what the dimensions were and how far off this side was to the next and the little spots that are on it and all that shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
you got to grade your card before you send the card. It's like the fucking dishwasher, bro. It's just like the fucking dishwasher. It's like you got to wash the fucking dishes before you stick them in the fucking dishwasher. Or it ain't going to be right in the end. That's my smart analogy right there. Like the dishwasher. All right. So uh, I made this the other day. All right. It's a Donnie baseball. And this one right here is, uh, that's pretty self-freaking-explanatory. In 1985, Don Mattingly, Don Mattingly was the AL's most valuable player. They retired his number a long time ago. And his nickname, Donnie Baseball, was given to him by Kirby Puckett, if you didn't know. So FYI, Kirby gave him the name Donnie Baseball. And that's uh, saying he won the gold glove nine times. Now, <laughs> let me tell you something about my balls. I don't give this shit away, all right? Now, I might sound like a douchebag right here, but I know how much time I spent on this. And I know how long in hours of my life I've spent to be able to do this like this, okay? So whether this took me four hours or 10 or 12 hours, doesn't matter. It took me a whole life to do it right here, okay? And so when you jump in on my inbox saying, man, that's so awesome. Is it for sale? Oh, man, I want that. It costs what it costs. And I'd rather keep it than hawk it. So always remember that when, when hitting me up in my DMs for, for the shit that I make. It's like a lifetime went into this, not just the hours that you think. So I'd rather keep the ball than hawk it. My idea is when I, when I start something, I always think bigger. I always think more than that, the one ball that I'm producing. I'm thinking in terms of I need to make 20 of these things so I can have an exhibition. So if I sell a ball, you're actually breaking and I need the money. So it's a weird, it's a weird thing. But but I'm gonna get what I want for it. Or I'm gonna keep it. Bottom line. So I think it would be great to have an exhibition with 18 to 25 different major league player baseballs and then once they hit exhibition price goes up so get it now while you can because um i'm just not hawking my shit off and why you think i got so much art sticking around the house because i just don't get rid of it like that man lifetimes it's a lifetime's worth of work and experience not just the i said the block of time that went in yeah, just like that, dude. So something like like that. Just a collection of those things and set it up real nice, and there you go. Okay, so I'll show you a couple items from the Will Clark collection now. I showed the... Uh... Oh, yeah, you can kind of see it right there. A little pennant from the Texas Rangers right there. And we got one from the Giants. Ooh, 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 ooh. Fucking badass, dude. Uh, same artist again as the, that last one. And this guy goes by Stark. So I'm sure you can find uh, a bunch of the players. Why not? Why wouldn't you? But you probably find any player from the 90s that was a star on one of those pennants so that i don't know if you oh, oh can you see it right here dude i don't even that's a fucking poster man the thing is like six feet tall like three and a half feet wide i don't even know what i'm gonna do with that man it takes up like it's bigger than a door 
but thank you guys. Uh, you know, one day if you ever end up seeing this on YouTube or whatever, if you send me stuff, I really appreciate it. It's really cool for you to go out of your way and uh, do that. Ah, in case you didn't see on my on my Instagram page, uh, yeah, that the show that comes on after mine with uh, Eric Burns and Will Clark. Come on, man. Don't be putting trivia questions out there for me. I'm like a fucking hawk when it comes to Will Clark shit. So, uh, dude, I'm telling you, man, like, yeah, it's, I think I got about four feet on this wall in the back. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So that's what's going to have to happen. Plan my whole home around my, my shit. Okay, no. My collection is my collection. And I do it my way. I don't know how else to do it. I have ideas. I'm a creative person. And I just, I just go with it, all right? Now, having a graphic designer for a significant other helps me in these technical areas like like graphic design shit like computer stuff i work with these okay hammers and saws and paintbrushes and shit like that when it comes to computer stuff i'm basically a caveman i can do minor stuff but i can't do major stuff so i showed you the coloring book I draw all the pictures. My significant other, lady, whatever you call them, she helps me out with that. And so I had an idea to, uh, okay, well, here, we'll start on this one. So my, I, I design sports cards and whatnot, and so I call my company Donuts Sports Cards. Um, and if, if, if it makes my collection, it's a gem 11, even if it has fucking rounded corners. So eat it. It's my collection. That's an 11. So I am not capable of putting this thing together. My lady puts it together for me. So that's donuts with the gem 11 grade. And for uh, the Clark collection, which I call this thing behind me. I had others made. Now, I have so many copies of Will Clark rookie cards. And so what I did was I went through and I just found the best copies that I had. And they got fucking 11s too. Dude, I love this set right here. 86 Don Russ, uh, the rookies. Dude, I got I got a whole box of Mark McGuire rookies. I probably got fucking 50 Mark McGuire rookies, Fleer, Don Russ, Pops, all of them. So if any Mark McGuire fans out there willing to work a trade. Whoosh. Another awesome card. Underrated. But uh yeah, I mean, to me, this is the quintessential Will Clark rookie card. When I was a kid, this was the rookie card that you were trying to get above all the rookie cards. And uh this ain't the copy. I got the original copy in my in my album, but this was my best copy. Uh, this is a pretty good one too. Really nice one, but I'm not gonna look. Here's what I here's what I think about graded cards. You're gonna spend the money to get this fucking thing graded, and you ain't gonna sell it. You're not gonna fucking sell it because you're a hoarder. You're a hoarder. I'm talking to you, Bill. You're a fucking hoarder. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I would never sell it. So I see these people getting their cards graded. You ain't selling that shit, dude. It's going to the grave with you, or your kids will hawk it for way less than it's worth. 
Thanks, kids. That's why my kids, they're not getting my cards. I kind of have a, I kind of have a, a, an idea where I want my, my collection to go once I'm seeing greener pastures. And uh, matter of fact, I'll just tell you where I think I want to take it. I'm, I'm affiliated with a place called, uh, so Jeremy's chiming in, and he's talking about graded cards become something other than a card, like a stock, and then it's not fun. And it's true. <laughs> and, okay, I've been going through these old Beckett's, uh, removing pictures, uh, putting stuff in frames, and the articles are actually great. The, the the articles are actually it's funny how the how the industry they play devil's advocate so you're looking in the magazine that's telling you prices are up prices are down prices are the same prices are up this player's down this player's up this player's hot this player's not and then that same magazine at the end of the magazine is also telling you beware don't believe the hype Watch out. Remain having fun. Don't be an idiot buying fucking shit that's not proven. And what do you know? The same thing today. Look, I'm Wander Franco will be my Wander Franco will be my current example always until that ship fucking sails. All right. My boy who's right here, Jeremy. This motherfucker loved him some Greg Jeff. That's who I see Wander Franco as right now. He's an unproven entity. In the so between the last two seasons, he's hasn't quite played a season's worth of games. And so he had his little consecutive game streak last year. But up until now, it's nothing explosive with the power. I believe he may be under 300 average, under 300 average on his career. And his cards are like, people are like salivating for this shit, dude. And look, man, to be a superstar in, in the league, you got to be good. And you got to be good for a long time. That's how, card, that's how the card situation works for me and values. Mickey Mantle is proven. Onus fucking Wagner, that's proven. That stuff to me is always valuable. Michael Jordan rookie cards. That's valuable. You know what I'm saying? And see, that's just it, Jeremy. You're right. It, it, whatever happened to having a body of work? So in that regard, me, I'm an artist. I've been doing this for a very, very long time. And I don't want to be braggadocio about where I think I place in the realm of the space that i compete in I, i'm not gonna even get into that okay but for as long as i have been doing it the things that i've done with it the places that i put it some of the people that i bought it that's oh that's fucking 20 years of being a professional artist that's not because of fucking instagram that's not because i, I this new thing it's i've been putting the work in and so that's that's what the hype isn't. The hype is now. The hype is like, oh, man, we're just going to create this thing and we'll see what becomes of it. So um, anyways, yeah, uh, once again, I just I don't believe the I've said this once before. I, I didn't believe the Ken Griffey fucking hype. I didn't. He had to become the superstar that he became for me to be like Ken Griffey Jr. is a superstar. Look, man. I grew up in a time where I got to see bad fucking baseball players, dude. Like, just being a Dodger kid, we got see, Ricky Jordan's another one, man. So we, the hype is I almost feel like somebody else is building the hype for us because I wasn't, I was never that kid. Just like, oh man, Ricky Jordan, he's gonna be. I just wasn't that guy. So uh, maybe that's the pessimist in me, you know. Like honestly, I, that is what it is, and you know, you know where pessimism stands or, or stems from: lack of trust. 
That's it. I don't trust motherfuckers. Never have, never will. You got to earn your trust with me. Whatever the fuck that has to do with baseball, but we'll just we'll just say that that has to do with. I'm not gonna trust that you're a super duper superstar with value unless you really are, and that's it. Well, here we go. Jeremy Jeremy has lots of good points. Jeremy mentions that hyping. Okay, I'm gonna just change the word to these guys instead of those guys because it's the same situation. It fuels the industry. It gives people something to go after. And uh, that's just that, dude. And think. I'm, okay, I'm, not, I'm all right. We're, we're gonna, I'm using this platform for some truth, okay? When I was a kid, I did some sneaky fucking shit regarding baseball cards. I don't know what to say about it. I did some sneaky shit. You know? Was a bad boy. Bad boy. I don't do it anymore. I don't fuck with that shit. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to hawk baseball cards. Okay? But uh believe me, the switch of fucking rule. Little hot wax packs. I'll see you back up. And go take advantage of the fucking stoner at Relic Americana, boy. Twist him up like he used to twist us up when we first got into the game. And then you learn. So we learned as a kid that people were trying to fuck you with your baseball card, you know? And uh, that's just that, you know? And it's the same today. And I see with all the... uh, Just a story the other day was... These people are doing these wild breaks. You're paying money to be part of these breaks. These breaks are if you are involved in the break and the hot card comes up, you have. So I don't exactly know how it works. The person was a, they got that they won the hot card. Okay. And then when they received in the mail the card that they thought they were going to get, it wasn't the card they thought they were going to get. And it's because the people who were holding the break did the switcheroo on them, all right? They called them out on the switcheroo. And these the, the company or the, the, the people that were doing the break, they had a fucking bullshit-ass story of what happened. And it was a lie, all right? And so what's happening where I'm sitting can totally change... By the time it gets to you, and that's that's where trust comes in. I don't trust that shit. Like, one thing is to be in the room. One thing is to be on the other side of a computer screen. I'm just not doing it. I don't partake, but you can partake. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, all of this right here, the, the newest player I got in there is Cody Bellinger. I like the kid. He's a Dodger kid. And no matter what he does in his career, he will always have done what he did as a Dodger. The great rookie season, MVP season. He's got some gold glove. He's an all-star. That can never be taken away from him, no matter how he plays from here on out. But I don't feel that there was ever really that type of hype. Even with baseball cards, when Code, I mean, maybe because I was still only collecting the Will Clark stuff. But I just don't remember the big crazy hype with Cody Bellinger, who was 39 home runs his rookie season. That's like, that's not his second season. That wasn't his third season. That was his rookie season, what he did. Anyways, I do my thing. And, and I hope you do yours too, the way you do it. And I hope you're not in the crazy market of wanting everything that everybody else does. I feel that's where the problem, where the problem happens, is uh, you just start getting into what everybody else wants, and that's when the price goes up. See, you can buy you can buy lots of rookie cards. Look how beautiful. I've heard this off-centered ten shit like, "Oh man, looks great in the case." It's like fucking curb appeal. It's there's no law in here. 
no fucking flowers. It's a baseball card in a plastic case. If it's centered and perfect in the corners, that's a 10. But if it's uncentered, to me, it like takes a 10 right, take a 10 right off. But to me, that's always going to be a good-looking card, whether this thing is graded or not. Yeah, like I said, keeping up with the Joneses in this game kills the fun, kills the wallet, and kills the industry. And, uh, well, the industry, once again, is people are waiting for for a boom to happen again. So, uh, but look, the boom, the boom only affects you if you, if you bought into it. So it hasn't affected me. Um, I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm not into Will Clark cards to ever sell them. So, but on this notion, since I have so many Will Clark cards and since I have so many people donating stuff to me, I'm putting together a, a third third binder. Like that's how many I have that many Will Clark cards. So I'm putting together a third binder. And I think I'm gonna give it away. Uh like I said, all the people that have donated to the to the Will Clark collection. Uh one of the people that was commenting on my page, they said they made a really sad comment. They go, man. Love Will Clark. I had an awesome collection. It burned in a it burned in a in a fire. Whoa, damn, dude. So uh, I'm gonna go back and find who that person is, and we're gonna hook that person up with the giant folder of Will Clark cards. This is the Bill Collector. We're on Bill, and I'm a collector, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>